0: Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk.
1: Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals.
2: I'm Gabriel Mercotin. In the studio this week, I am extremely excited, and not just because Rory K. Smith isn't here, but because in addition to the very excellent Julian Lawrence and to Matt Hughes, who trekked in all the way from Mortlake, Richmond, or whatever posh part of West London he's gone undercover in, we are joined in a rare studio appearance, in the flesh, by George Calkin, the gold standard, as most people refer to him. Coming up, we'll be talking relegation, plus rounding up the action from what was a rather lame weekend of football at the top end of the table. I guess we have to start with events at Old Trafford.
0: That is a wonderful pass out towards Theo Walcott now. What damage can he do from here? Taking on Black in! Oh, it's in! It's looped up off the Manchester
2: United substitute and beaten Victor Valdez. Arsenal are back on level terms. The biggest team in the universe, United, against Arsenal, who has long-standing rivalry and blah, blah, blah. I thought this game was kind of lame and boring. I think the first booking was an injury time. It was really rather irrelevant to anything. I like to think we could maybe throw it forward, as the kids say, unless somebody has anything to say about this game, about actually what happened on the pitch. Anything interesting?
0: It a... Dissection of ordinariness. I think. I think that's it. And um, I mean, I'm still quite surprised by that every time I see Man United about just how how ordinary they are. I mean, it's a relative. It's a relative concept, and it's even more relative based okay. based on the fact that I watch Northeast football. But I would always always look forward to seeing Man United in particular because the swagger, their talent, you know, all that sort of stuff, and they are they are ordinary. I mean, you they become you found
2: a kindred spirit here, Julian. Julian, you'll know, invited the ire and ridicule of Twitter by referring to one Aloysius von Hall as a fraud earlier this <laughs> season. Indeed. I don't know, you're not quite going that far, are you? I'm, not,
0: I, I'm not well <laughs> qualified enough to go that far, I don't think.
2: Right. And Ashley Young, as a man of the
3: match, says it all.
0: What is, sh- the pl- is the player
1: of the season.
3: Player of the season.
1: For Man United, he's been fantastic, oh, see, which I'm being slightly facetious, but um, it, it sh- he has improved a lot, but it shows how far United have fallen when they're looking to... Young and Fellaini as their top men, and they're making Chris Smalling their captain.
0: I mean, I, th- I think overall, looking at those both those games yesterday, the thing that struck me was that the contest for second place next season might be interesting. But and I, and I know there's always a temptation to sort of anoint if if one team wins and wins well, there's a temptation to to kind of anoint them automatically for the season afterwards. But I think Chelsea just looks so in comparison, just look so solid, so strong. And have a sense of purpose, and I think there are huge question marks about about the three three teams below.
2: Okay, well, we'll preview next season at the start of next season, I'm sorry. George. <laughs> um, you said throw it forward. <laughs> you did no, say throw it yeah. forward. I mean, throw it forward into some some sort of future to, or three to months. Next, to next week. No, in the immediate, David de Gea. While you guys are all like like sloggering all over Fellaini and Young, David de Gea has been arguably, I'm not arguably, probably definitely their best player. And I would imagine that if David de Gea hadn't been there, and the Danish reserve goalkeeper whose name I've forgotten because I choose to forget, or Victor Valdez had been in goal this season. They might not be in the Champions League next year. And yet, David De Gea has one year left on his contract. The way Fan Gaal... I was really struck by the way Fan Gaal spoke about him after the match, because he was kind of like, yeah, well, you know, he's Spanish, he's a Spanish girlfriend. It sounded to me like somebody who's certainly resigned, either resigned to losing De Gea, or wants people to think he's resigned to losing De Gea. And I suppose it's possible that tomorrow United will come out and be like, ha-ha, we fooled you. Look, he just signed a five-year deal. But... Why are they so rubbish that they didn't sort this out when he had two years left on his contract, which is when sane clubs go and do their business? Is this another stick we can beat Woodward with? <sighs> P- this, stage, in this case,
1: I'm, I'm I'm not sure it is really. Why not? Why not? Come well, on. come but, on! Uh, blame everything on Ed. The De Gea Madrid has it. been rumbling for a long, long time. He's known that. United have known that. The contract from United has been on the table all season and he's not signed it because he wants to go to Real Madrid. It, it's, it's obvious. Ike Casillas is... 35, he's clearly on the way out, he should have been, well he should, yeah, he should, I, he should, he should I, have been I, dropped by Spain right. but
2: the dude comes to this country right, yeah. has slightly difficult stuff, difficult start and then you could tra- tell by the end of the second season that he was the real deal right, and that was the time to sit him down and say listen, you have two years left you're, you're, you're 22 years old or uh, however old he was at the time I think 22 at the time, there was no vacancy at Real Madrid or potential vacancy at Real Madrid. Iko Casillas was not 35. I th- would have thought a bit of foresight would have mandated, like, let's sit this guy down, let's lock him up. He's got two years left, and, and let's go and do it now. And yeah, they, tri- his- they
1: tried last summer, and he w- didn't want to sign the contract. So, but w- ultimately,
2: other than offering him 400 grand
1: a week, what what can they do? I think there's, there's certain transfers... You can't blame the selling club for Ronaldo to Real Madrid is one, Sesc to Barcelona is another. Ultimately, these guys are going to want to go go home and play. How can you stop them? Even if he had had a,
3: another 10 years on his contract, I, don't, I think he would have gone anywhere. I don't think it's the length of the contract and when they didn't renew it, why and this and that. I think even if he had signed a new one two years ago and still had three or right. four years on his contract,
2: I think but if you he signed, have... it's fine. But if you signed a new contract, you would be getting market value for him. Yeah, it'd be more difficult for Madrid to get him probably, but I still think that he would he would, it would, it would mean, go anyway. We saw this last summer, right? Tony Crowe's pretty good player, World Cup winner, one year left on his contract, and he ends up costing substantially less than Adam Lallana, right? Who's older and nowhere near as good. That's what happens when you have a year left on your contract. This is what I don't understand. Is I mean, even if they understood that he was going to go, surely the thing to do would. Be to, to speak to him and say, listen, let's extend you, let's put in a clause, which is kind of what they did with Cristiano, right? right? Yeah,
1: you're, you're right, but none of this is Louis van Gaal's fault. And no, ma- I'm not. Ma- certain, ma- no. Maybe, maybe he's relaxed because he, no, he's no, no, got no, a solution No, 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 no. you mentioned
2: Louis van Gaal, I know. <laughs> I wouldn't dare to criticise Louis van Gaal. It's obviously not his fault he got here, but there were other people at Manchester United before him who were looking after contracts, right? Yeah. I mean, whether this happened in the transition from Gill to Woodward, I, I think... This is a major boo boo.
0: I think that's a reasonable point. I mean, it's, there, you go. there There are there are
2: intricacies
0: perhaps to it, that, and obviously personal, you know, sides of it. If he wants to go back to Spain, then that's kind of understandable. I mean, to me, the the sad thing is is that it would mean losing a you know world class player, and there aren't enough of those in the Premier League to, to sort of be blasé about. And I do think that would leave. I think you made a very good point in saying that without De Gea. They wouldn't have finished where they are, and you know there are there are decent goalkeepers around, but I don't think there are I don't think that that many that you can kind of be relaxed about that.
1: But if Man United are smart, they go out tomorrow and say Chelsea, there's fifteen million, we want Pedicchek. He's two years younger than Van der de Sar was when he signed for United, and he gave them five great years. So but there are goalkeepers out there that can be bought. They just have to be deci- decisive and move because yes. our Arsenal will mess around all summer and Wenger will go, mm, I'm not sure, maybe oh we'll give us or another chance. The, the door is open for United to get a cheque if they want him well, Lloris well, Lloris would be a lot more expensive yeah, obviously, yeah it would but, be more, um, but
3: he's younger and
1: Yeah,
2: shit. if Real Madrid don't change their manager and it's a big if you have a situation where you have a Gareth Bale who's I the, the abuse he's getting is nowhere near as bad as some people here Make it out to be, but he obviously. Great
1: on, I was there Wednesday. It was pretty, pretty ugly.
2: Well, he was. His game was pretty ugly on Wednesday. Though. But he yeah,
1: was, he was better than Ronaldo. Ronaldo just wasn't there second half. I
2: agree. At least Bale, be- 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 right. missed he some tried. chances, but, but he was he, he was there. He tried. Not really. Cristiano didn't try. I think I think that the Isco the, was terrible. Some teams can carry two passengers if they've got nasty holding midfielders who run around like maniacs. Real Madrid don't have that, and so they can't carry two passengers off the ball. and I'm wondering, would it might it be a deal that helps everybody? If you send Bale to Manchester and you send De Gea and Di Maria the other way, and obviously there'd be money changing hands. and
1: It's just very hard to agree on a valuation for all those three different players, isn't it? How, De Maria was £60 million last summer he's not had a great season he's not in the team Van Haal's questioned his attitude so is he, what is he worth now is he worth 40 is he worth 50 How can, how do you do it?
2: Well we can put a valuation on De Gea right using Tony Kroos as a as a benchmark they're roughly the same age De Gea makes more than what Kroos made before Crows went for about £22 million. if you say you put £25 million on De Gea right Bale's probably slightly tough to judge as well how much he's worth because obviously he's older than he was when he went over there, he cost eighty million. Is bail straight up for Di Maria and De Gea? is that a fair deal?
1: It's a good deal for Man United. I'm not sure it's a it's a, yeah. a fair deal. I think Real Madrid wants some <laughs> wants some money for, really? for an in.
2: Yeah. Talking about Arsenal for for a second, since the the joke's been made that, you know, they're always kinda like next year's team. And I look at this rationally and say, Yeah they are next year's team because they have all these players who are on the up and they're approaching maturity and why shouldn't Arsenal fans be excited?
0: I think they're more balanced than the other two teams that we're talking about. You know, there is always this sense that they're in football's waiting room and it's been, when does a trophy come? When does the big signing happen? When do they beat big teams? No, I mean, no, they
2: win a trophy I, yeah. by the end of the month. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. No, and, you know, they did it last season, of course, as well and they've bought the big player. I'm still not sure that they have, they quite have what it what it takes. But I mean, yeah, I th- I think if they do in this season, third and with the FA Cup again, there is there is a sense that something's been broken that they can and that they can take it take it forward. Whether they've got enough
2: to challenge Chelsea yet, yeah, I don't I don't I would doubt personally. Okay, let's do some some sexual role play now, okay? You're Dick Thank God Law <laughs> and you're Arsene Wenger for obvious reasons. Yeah. Have a conversation amongst yourselves for the next forty five seconds and decide what your biggest priority is this summer. Dick. I need a defensive midfielder. What have you, your team
3: of scouts and, you know, what, what, what do you have for me? Dick Law does not have a Yorkshire accent, so I expect <laughs> you
1: to do this properly. I can't really do American, I'm afraid. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can.
3: No, no,
2: that's fine. Just let's suspend disbelief. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, it's up to you. As, as everything at this club, Austin, it's up to you. I keep giving yes, you targets uh, know, and but, you, keep, uh, back, you keep being indecisive. What have you
3: been doing, Dick, the last six months? I told you to scout for a defensive midfielder. I need someone more than, than, than Cookland.
1: I signed Cochran's contract extension <laughs> it's um, I, think, I think Schneidlin is, is, gonna, is lucky to be a target isn't he I yeah think. I think
3: um, so. I think he wants more experience though, in that role sorry we've, we've stopped the sexual yeah, role no. play, but it's <laughs> sorry. sorry. Yes, right. It's
0: the worst sexual role <laughs> I've ever witnessed not that I've witnessed any
3: are you sure yeah maybe more experience a is more she, is experienced is, defensive midfielder how about than, Arteta than, than, it's, than like, it's like a new signing the problem with Schneiderlin though is he's never played Champions League or even Europa League and I think Wenger sees that as a sort of an issue somehow. Of is he good enough? What kind of level is he good at? Even with France, he's never been that great. So the guy's never played in Europe. Never really been good with on international level. So like, how do you know if you know if if he will really bring you add value to your squads? You know, it's, it's the same with Kondogbia in Monaco. I don't think he's really sure if he's really. The, he was excellent maybe. against Arsenal. He was really and good. Juventus, actually. But I've seen him he's this season where he was absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Really, and, and in Ligue 1 as well, which is like. Come on. The issue, though, would be the goalkeeper and the striker, because I really believe he's not going to buy a goalkeeper or a striker in the summer.
0: Sigerson to take the corner. Swansea will certainly feel that they deserve an equaliser. Swung it towards Fernandez. What a save! An absolutely stunning stop from Joe Hart. Denying Fernandez, Swansea's third goal. Saves simply do not get any better than this.
2: Moving on to more interesting clubs, Swansea and, uh, and, and Man City. That This game finished, um, was it 4-2? This shows you how interesting uh, and interested I was in what <laughs> happened yesterday. Again, anybody have anything interesting to say about this game? Do we care about Boney not celebrating? Anybody want to make a joke about Yaya and the stupid birthday cake? Or has that been all horses we've beaten to death?
1: Not really, but for, for a dead game, it was great to watch. So,
2: yeah, you like goalkeeping errors? Yeah, Fabianski.
1: Yeah, very... Um,
2: Fabianski doing the seamen, yeah? For a game with very little on
1: it, it was very, pretty entertaining. And City, of I remember being here a month ago, and we talked about when City finished top four, where Poggini gets sacked. I think that he's done enough to keep his job, I, I, I suspect. Why is he keeping his job? Because yeah, there's no obvious man to replace him, and they have the, the Pep obsession, and their hope is that in a year Pep will be available, and... He will solve all their problems. Whether that happens or not is open to debate. But um Pellegrini—he's won the league and he's probably going to finish second. So it will be harsh. It will be harsh to second.
2: Really, be yeah, harsh. But, I mean, okay. This is what I don't understand about you people. My you people, I mean, the media. He had won the league before. He was going to finish second before, and yet it seemed like he was a spent force. And why is he playing four-four-two? And all this other crap that people—all the accusations that people throw at the man. Now all of a sudden. Because you figured out the Pep Guardiola story to City, probably isn't right, and because Jurgen Klopp's going to go somewhere else, all of a sudden, like they can't come up with somebody better, they've all changed their minds.
1: No, if you can if you can get the man you want, then this is an argument to get rid of him. But if the alternative is taking a chance on Patrick Vieira, which basically seems to be Plan B, then why why take that risk? Pellegrini has shown that he, he can win trophies, and even in a bad season, they can finish second when they when they get rid of Toure get get a more balanced squad, sort the midfield out in the summer, they should be able to kick on, they've still got some very, very very good players if, if Aguero had been fit all season it might might have been slightly different and if other players had, had performed, if company had been fit there's lots of ifs, buts and maybes but given there is no alternative and given their obvious desire to get Guardiola in the long term remains there, it would seem odd just to sort of sack Pellegrini on, on a whim and, and they're happy that I think he's stabilized things because a month ago it looked like they were sinking.
3: He's made mistakes, but you know a lot of managers make mistakes. And I think the 4-4-2, when he played it, you know, as certain part of the season, I think was a mistake.
2: Let the record reflect. I'm not having a go at Pellegrini. In fact, it was a person who said that he should probably stay, given also the financial fair play restrictions. On the one hand, will be lifted if they meet the requirements of the settlement, but on the other hand, you know, they still need to meet the other parameters, which. Are getting increasingly tighter and and i think are are, are tough to do for for a club like manchester city at least in in the short term george is this kind of an example of knee-jerkism about how everybody wanted this guy out and or everybody or a lot of people in the media wanted these guys out although certainly the, the punditocracy and then Julian says. He wins a couple games against a couple of relevant games against irrelevant teams late in the season and all of a sudden, yeah, well, why not? Let's keep him. He won the league.
0: I don't know. I mean, I think perceptions change, don't they? And it depends on circumstances. I mean, you know, they've they've underachieved. I mean, I think you have to say that they've underachieved. If you look at the squad they've got and, you know, the kind of riches, riches in attack, I mean, I think they have underachieved. They haven't been as good as they should be. So the first the first kind of point of call is to look at the manager and then, you know, think about that and Champions League was obviously, uh, you know, was obviously sort of an obsession there and, you know, there were kind of deep issues within their squad, uh, whether it's Yaya Toure, whether it's Milner, whether it's, you know, whether it's others and it's an ageing squad. Is all of that Pellegrini's fault? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say, you know, I would always want to give the manager another chance and to give the manager a chance to build something. You know, again, yeah, what what, what options... You know, what options did they have and how does that fit in with the culture of what they're trying to build?
2: Well, that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, we talk about the culture of what they're trying to build, but this is a squad where every single player will be 28 or every single relevant player will be 28 or older next season, except for Mangala, who's been terrible, and Aguero, who's going to be 27. They have this homegrown player requirement where they've got people like Clichy. Help them fill the quota, but mm. obviously they're going to use. They're going to lose Milner. That. They're going to lose Frank Lampard Jr. I need to replace these guys. Buying English players is very expensive if you want to buy good ones. I mean, have they really? And everybody's getting older. Have they really thought this through?
1: You were talking earlier about um, clubs sleepwalking into contract problems. I find it astonishing. James Milner will leave on a free, probably go to Liverpool for slightly more money. What he's, he's probably been, people have been the most of the Naguero, consistent player all season he'll play in every position he's got the best attitude of any professional I've ever encountered why, why they didn't swap this out and give him the money he wanted 12 months ago is, is I find amazing I go. do think though that if Real Madrid make the big mistake of,
3: of sacking Carlo Ancelotti if I was City I would get Carlo Ancelotti every single day and tell Pellegrini to go back to Chile go back to Chile <laughs> come on go back because I think Carlo right. would do be you, amazing do you,
0: do you have to add that bit I mean can you not go somewhere else Does
3: no it no to no I think, <laughs> I think he probably misses a bit Chile you know it's from home so he can go he can have a few vacation in Chile if he wants but I think Carlo I, I really think Carlo I don't buy into the let's wait another year for Pep this and that unless there's a secret agreement that we don't know about but uh, if Carlo is free I'm, and I'm a, I'm a big fan obviously but I would go for Carlo every single day
1: uh, I mean, I agree. There's no guarantee Pep would come. Exactly. Well, anyway, it's, it's, I mean, it's always talked I, about you know project and history and things, and everyone thought that Arsenal or Man United were the most obvious fits for him. Everyone w- assumes that Soriano and Bergastan are his best friends, but we don't yeah. really know that because not so sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's,
3: it's just uh, a big club like that. Can't just you know. It's like it's like you you know it's like you want a house and you think oh yeah maybe I like this house maybe they're gonna sell it in a year. You know, maybe I can. How can a club like City can just do everything around the, the chance maybe that they could get Pep when he's gone? Come on, I think it's
2: ridiculous. Like I said, also if they get Pep, they'll get a bunch of old players on huge contracts which make them nearly impossible to sell. That's a, that's the other thing. This whole age profiling of the squad, the way it's, this has been built, has been absolutely terrible. And while I really lo- I loved Chiki Begiristein as a player... Mm-hmm. I was kind of ho-hum about him as a director of football at Barcelona because I distinctly remember Chigrinsky and Kerasen and people like that. I think he's done an absolutely terrible job right now in managing this. And you mentioned the, the Milner thing. You look at the age profiles of the players. You look at the way they just kind of gave Nastasic away, which, you know, okay, fine, Pellegrini doesn't like him, but a lot of really good football people were... More clever than Pellegrini probably, or one more saw value in him, and you just kind of said, like, "Oh yeah, here we don't need you," you know. Nasri new contract. Nasri new contract. That's right. So many think
0: Like City, you've obviously had to prime their squad to do what they want to do. I mean, and that's that's fair enough. But then you look at you look at kind of what's happened at Chelsea, albeit over a slightly longer period. You know, there is there is always that criticism of them that young players don't come through the system, but those young players do go out on loan. You know, I've seen a, a fair bit of Patrick Bamford, for example, this season. They got rid of, Lukaku, sold Lukaku for a hell of a lot of money last summer. They are bringing resource back into the into the club, and they have, you know, they've had that they've had that benefit. And I don't think City have have, have got the hang of that bit
2: yet. Right, enough of this. Let's get to the more exciting bit about the uh, Premier League, uh, which is the relegation battle. Which, in fact, could have been more exciting, but then, as often happens late in the season, the Bad teams who are right near the bottom all start winning um, until they don't need to win again. See Aston Villa, and then the teams that we thought were just mediocre start losing continuously, like Newcastle. And it's basically—I know that. I guess there is a scenario where Sunderland can get relegated, but it's, I don't think anybody wants to debate that possibility because surely it can't happen, right?
0: Well, I don't know why. Why do you say that? Because they'd have to lose their last two games against us at Arsenal and at Chelsea.
2: Right. Chelsea don't need the points. I remember Chelsea playing Bolton on the last day of the season years ago. This is the other thing. Yeah, but
0: they're playing Sunderland, who aren't very good at football.
2: <laughs> no, but it's Dick Ivica and Really, you think Sunderland can go down? Well,
0: I, I mean, I think they're 12-1 to 1, outsiders in the, of the three of them. If for, God for would for have good good appear
2: reason. to you and said, like, George, <clears throat> I've, I've, I'm going to make one of these three teams go down, who do you want to go down? Well, I, I,
0: I mean, as a strictly neutral observer of these things who is
2: most (laughs) deserving of going down
0: well i would say that at the moment well whoever goes down is deserving to go down i mean in terms of utter witlessness and utter appallingness of football and i'm going to say newcastle because they've ceased to be a football club in any meaningful sense of the word i mean and that brings me pain to say that but I mean, it's a disgusting football club at the minute. It's unpleasant to be around. They've um, they've let this, I and mean, it's completely self-inflicted. They've let this season drift. You know, Alan Pardew leaving, uh, leaving this five-week, whatever it was. Limbo while they looked at other managers, then giving it to the bloke who already had it, and everything has tailed off from that from that position. They were they were they were eleventh as recently as February March. Even like you know there are. It's not just a failure of football, although it's a huge failure of football. It's a failure of model. It's a failure of planning. It's a failure of, you know, it's a failure of emotion in the sense that it's become a, it's become a football club completely divorced from its own followers. Its divorced Ooh, from the media, owner, so. it's, it's divorced from the media, it's divorced from the city, it's divorced from institutions and uh, in, in, in the sense of that old-fashioned thing about what we think football should be and should be about it's stopped being a football club
2: well, well, here's, here's the part I don't understand I, I appreciate Mike Ashley doesn't like talking to the media and so on and to be fair he's an owner, Roman Abramovich never speaks to the media either right but Roman Abramovich hires people who get his message and these people go and they talk, sometimes on the record, sometimes privately, mostly with Matt, and they kind of tell him the club lied. And they tell you at least what the club are thinking, right? What the logic is. Mike Ashley can't be a dunce because he made a lot of money and he didn't just inherit a lot of money. And he's, he's seen the the, the, the the protests and all the stuff that's gone on. I'm assuming there is somebody at Newcastle who tells you what the project is, who tells you what the club are trying to do, whether, I mean, I'm not going review their sources, but whether privately or, or publicly and what do they say what you know when 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 you see this is happening what justification do they bring well first of all no they
0: don't do that i mean there has been a complete and utter cessation of relationships with the media it's a policy so i mean it, it this gets all gets a bit dull but they've stripped access back to the absolute bare bare minimum so i mean interestingly in the last few weeks I was. I've had a conversation with someone at the top of the club, and that was a kind of fairly extensive conversation. So they
2: do talk to you.
0: That that has happened, and I, and I think moving forward, there will be a deliberate softening of language. You know, language. This very cold language that the corporate language that they use. There will be a softening of that. Um, you know, there's a recognition <laughs> that that's that, that's a kind of mistake, um, and I think they'll you know re-embrace the FA Cup having previously said that it wasn't a priority etc did, et did
2: this person explain to you what they thinking was with pardew leaving without having a replacement yeah. so carver so and,
0: the word the, the, the phrase used to me was uh we would never have sacked alan pardew i mean they effectively proved that in the in the autumn anyway and they from their perspective i, mean, I don't really want to talk about that from their perspective but i will i mean they brought together a three-mile shortlist which for various reasons they couldn't get any of the, you know, one of them was McLaren, one of them was Remy Gard the third one I don't know whether it was contractual or moral obligations in terms of McLaren at the Derby and things like that, they couldn't do it they say they wanted someone to come in to put his ideas across etc etc but the point is they failed and having taken so long to do it John Carver effectively had, you know, the rug pulled out from underneath him. He'd spoken well about the FA Cup, then they lose horribly, you know, horribly at Leicester. Didn't sign anybody in January. They desperately needed a centre half. They really needed reinforcements up front and, you know, th- there is this lack of motivation around the club now. Players need pushing. I'm not convinced that players at Newcastle get coached. I think they get trained. Nobody improves unless they're unless they're incredibly self-motivated, like a Kabay or a Debushi, or you
2: know, uh, people who are no longer there, basically. People, who are, people well, yeah,
0: yeah, and and there's a it's a failure of model. Uh, the players that they bring in don't have a connection to the club. Now, I, what I mean by that is I'm not saying they buy too many French players or foreign players or whatever. They're not given a reason to believe about. Newcastle no one tells them about the history of the club no one tells them about why the city is important and you know Carver actually who's hopefully hopelessly out of his depth did make quite a good point after they lost the fifth consecutive derby to Sunderland he said there's something in the DNA and what there is in the DNA is just an, a lack of understanding about what the club is but there's no leadership from above that explains that they think they've got this cold clinical model that works and it can fit and it." I, uh, it's a failure of emotion effectively is what it is it's I, I know,
2: it's to ask, well, we can't talk about Newcastle the whole time uh, but uh and you probably don't want to <laughs> given the situation but oh,
0: i just love spreading misery wherever i go it's, it's
2: uh i wanted to ask about john carver because i was predisposed to liking him for, for a number of reasons starting with the fact that he's not alan pardew and because you know he looked like sort of one of those old guys who kind of hangs around and and now he's given a chance and whatever But then he did something which I thought was absolutely horrendous, which I've only ever seen one other manager do, um, and that's, of course, Jared Houllier, with the Williamson incident. Now, to me, that is just so gross and so beyond accusing your player of getting himself sent off when you don't know that that's what he did and doing it in public afterwards to the media. (laughs) Any coaching manual, any any human relationships with other people. Now, I want to know, did he just kind of, like, lose it? And just blurt out the first thing that came into his head or is he really such a bad person that he would go and 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 do this i mean i remember i remember peter reed doing it after
0: losing a game at newcastle with sunderland and but he didn't last too much longer after i mean i've always thought
2: single out a specific panel and say this guy actually got himself sent off on purpose
0: no, absolutely. Sorry, exactly. no, in that sense, no. But I, I, I always think that's the last resort of the manager is when you turn in your players and you try and get a re- reaction from them. But it's that almost that was a very extreme. very you
2: turn against the players as a group, it's one thing, right? Because, yeah. you you know, it's a kind of a cheap, psychological point. But if you single out one individual when the reality is you don't freaking know what was going through this guy's head. You know, if you know for a fact that, like, Williamson you know, is high on drugs or worship or worships the, de- the devil or had placed a bet it fine. But you don't know that. And however bad a footballer Williamson might be, he deserves a basic respect where you get your facts before you go and do that. I, I thought that was appalling. Um, and again, I-, I know had that happened in Italy, and I'm assuming in France as well, you would have had the PFA on this guy's rear end Demanding that the club suspend Carver immediately.
0: Well, he released a statement straight away, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So you had that extraordinary thing of Carver doing what, saying what he said, and then the next day, I think it was uh, Williamson releasing a statement, kind of deny denying it. Um, and these guys but, just work together the club-
2: every day now. Everything's fine.
0: Well, yeah, and he'll, you know, yeah, yeah. They on? shook hands and all that, but they, but they, I mean, the club that that weekend, the club. Which no, never feels too far away from being unhinged, felt properly unhinged that weekend, and that was when they went to 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 McLaren and tried to tried to get him in for the last last three games.
1: Is there an element that fans have to take a little bit of responsibility for this mess because of the hounding of Pardew Because as you say, if Pardew, Pardew would not have been sacked, if it hadn't, he would okay. still be there probably. It wasn't for all those <coughs> protests and Well, OK. What's so, wrong with Pardew? So, come on, so, come okay.
0: on, what's well, wrong with listen, I, I, I think there has been a rewriting of history here. There's a, a couple of things to remember. First of all, Pardew left voluntarily, and Newcastle had shown that they weren't going to sack him. He's left for a pay rise. He's gone to a club where he has a good relationship, and to give him credit, you know, he's done very, very well at somewhere where he's being backed... Off the pitch, on the pitch, by the people above him, at Newcastle, all those relationships are broken down. Now, Alan Pardew may be the best manager in the world; he'd stop being a good manager at Newcastle, and that can happen to anybody. I mean, that. that, that, So there are, are, you know, let's not forget that Newcastle lost six games in a row at the end of last season. Uh, Let's not forget that he was the manager that lost four games against Sunderland. And I know, I know, it makes it sound like that's a sort of obsession, and I don't kind of mean it to be, but it's it's. Sort of how Newcastle and Sunderland judge each other, you know. And he would become tainted by association with the regime. He had, uh, which again, the same things happened to Carver. Results were poor over the last year, two years. There was relegation battle last this time last year. There was the Pellegrini incident on the touchline. Uh, so
1: I'm not disputing he's behaved very badly, but what I am suggesting is that he Newcastle had a good manager. No, and, he didn't. they had our they, no, yeah, they,
0: he being they, they had a decent manager. He'd stop. He'd stop being an effective manager. At, I guess at point, Newcastle. Sorry, now, 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 whether he would have, I mean, whether he would have overseen this same run of results, of course, is a completely unlikely. is a completely different question. But it's a, uh, you know, the whole thing. There is sort of no redeeming feature about Newcastle. I, I think the any, question
1: I just wanted to ask, sorry to go on, is about <laughs> being seen to have a go. At the Newcastle fans is is the situation sort of so toxic that anyone appointed by that regime can anyone succeed there in the long term because anyone who is appointed by that regime has to work with them yeah. therefore they become a proxy for the board yeah i mean and how, that, and how, how how can yeah, they win really yeah, exactly and
0: i think i think that's when i say it's a failure of model and it's a failure of everything that's that's all part of it and i think when i when i spoke to the person at the club a couple of weeks ago i think there was a feeling that this was just before Leicester Um, I think there was a feeling there that they soften their language, they bring in a new head coach, they bring in lots of new players in the summer and that solves everything and I think it's gone way, way, way beyond that. Now some of that would, if they stay up, some of that will, you know, some of that will have an effect but there is a we you know, one of the very sad things to see in the last few weeks is John Carver as someone who's had a who's had a lifetime association with the club um is a is a, you know is a is a decent fella. I've known him for a for a long time worked with Bobby Robson was there for some good times and you know he's he's become tainted by association he's always you know he's lost a stone and blah 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 I'm not saying I feel kind of sorry for him, but it's a shame that this this will be what he's remembered for it you know at, at Newcastle
3: who which players are going to come to this club because yeah. be, when, when before you could see as a platform and I think Caballo or Debushi yeah you know, showed that well who's going to come now when you know if, if you've been be you know reading the papers even if you played in France or in Spain or in Holland who would want
0: to come to this mess you know yeah and they I and, mean, and they've, they've they've tossed away two seasons i mean you know and if you're a fan or if you're a player that's a, bit, it's a I mean, particularly if, if you're a player, that's a big chunk yeah, of your life. I so think. they lose Kabai and they don't replace him. They lose Pardue, effectively, don't replace him. And it's always this thing where, well, you know, judge us again, we'll do it in the summer. But you can't, you just cannot treat momentum like that. You have to, and they finish fifth and they buy one player, Vernon Anita, who they didn't need you know there's this cold model which they think can you know they finish fifth they're not looking to finish fourth the season after afterwards you know anyway I, painful but you, know. That, that, you uh, know the first question there was actually about Sunderland yes, you to that. I would like to say very very briefly about about Sunderland. I mean, they're no better in the sense that they can't keep doing what they've been doing, which is every single season being in the same position, trying to establish something long term, then jettisoning it. Not enough money to rebuild, uh, so they're scraping around, signing players who aren't good enough, and they're constantly constantly churning, you know they. Uh, that this will it will eventually bite them.
2: I right. I like to move it to another bad team that's um, in danger of relegation. It's closer to uh, closer to you, Hughie. Although I guess Hull is the wrong end of, of Yorkshire, right?
1: Not even in Yorkshire, if you ask me.
2: On on the whole on the whole front, is it as easy as Steve Bruce comes, spends loads of money, goes well for a while, then they freak out because there's no more money to spend because of the Premier League's own financial fair play rule. So he starts buying bad players, wrong players, and just not really being that good but it's I mean I looked at the whole squad and I was kind of and the fact that Bruce was in charge and the kind of players he had and Huddleston and all this stuff and they don't really strike me as kind of a particularly reliable bunch and I thought really they've kind of done well to still be in the relegation scrap now rather than having already gone down I mean am I wrong on this
1: no I mean look at the squad it's it's um certainly not, not 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 the best in the league is it and he, he, QPR have been relegated with better players
2: I'd say already other um, than burnley no i don't think anybody has worse players than it's a better squad than Leicester. i
0: thought you know they spent... Leicester
2: have king power though
0: true they did they spent a fair bit of money didn't they in the yeah, I, I, season I, I didn't think they'd be i think i think having said up last mm. season i thought they would that they would progress i think the difficulty that they've had is marrying the spirit that took them up and um, and the and the players that took them up, and then the people that they brought in, and I think I went down to do an interview, you know, two or three three or four weeks ago, and there's a very close knit feeling in the training ground, and I know that can be deceptive just on a day there, but I know Steve Harper well, and he he says that there's nothing like the kind of toxic feeling that there was at Newcastle when they went down in 2009, which obviously he was there and around. I think that's been the balancing act, but. It just hasn't, it hasn't sparked on the pitch. I think there's an okay feeling around the place. It just hasn't sparked. I don't think they have actually played to their potential.
2: Um, of the three, who's going down? Hull. All right. Free and easy. Right, the other thing was just, I was watching Match of Day 2 last night, and I'm not going to have, we're not going to mock him, but he did throw something out there, which I thought might be fun debating, and I put this out on Twitter and people enjoyed it. But basically, it was in the context of Phil Jones, and at one point, Phil Neville kind of blurts out the fact that centre-back is the easiest position to play.
3: And sometimes I wonder when I listen to Phil Neville if he's ever played football, ever, even in the park or something, because <laughs> I think he, he took so much. Okay, which is yeah. not a discussion on Sorry, Phil Neville. But, and and just, just Phil, if you listen to us, for me, the easiest position is, is probably right back, where you and your, your bruv played, but definitely not centre-half
1: the game is all in front of you you can see everything but the saying goes, for fullback back with the added advantage there's you can look across the line you can look across the line you've got someone in front of you yeah and you've got the centre back uh, who's covering behind you you, know, and you don't have to head the ball cut. exactly you're rarely exposed one on one so yeah the full backs I would say the easiest position which is why the wingers take to it later, later in their careers centre backs that aren't great in the air I was amazed that no one challenged him. Like,
2: well, what is the easiest position on the pitch Matt?
1: probably right back
2: given most people are right footed Everybody can play there. Everybody can play there. Time for some quick hits. Jake Livermore tested positive for cocaine last week. Matt, what's an appropriate punishment, if at all, given that it's a recreational drug? Well,
1: he'll definitely be punished because he's in breach of contract, so technically he could be sacked, I suppose. Um, you could ch- be in ch- breach ch- of contract ch- for did, talking to the media too. Did with Me too. The FA, I guess, they'll do him for bringing misconduct, disrepute. I'm, I imagine they'll get a six-game ban, which
2: seems reasonable. Sunderland keep another clean sheet, and looks like the great escape is almost complete. George, how much of the credit goes to Dick Advocant?
0: Yeah, we have to say almost at this point. Um, Yeah, a lot of it does, actually. He's um, stripped things back, kept things very simple, got them doing the basics. He's had that luxury in the sense that he hasn't had to look at structure, he hasn't had to look at long-term, he hasn't had to think about anything other than the those you know those few games that he was given but he's done very well.
2: Saido Mane breaks uh, Robbie Fowler's record and bags the quickest hat-trick in Premier League history as Southampton romp past Villa 6-1. Um Julian what's your realistic goal for Southampton next season? Just try to confirm this good season finishing in the
3: top 6 again I don't think they can they can finish in the top 4 but you know fifth or 6 is, should should be the objective if they keep the best player this summer. It's going to be difficult. Like that. That's where they are. They're a feeder club anyway. So, but but if they can sign, make a few good, clever
2: signings like they did last summer, you know, top six, t- top six could be the should be the object. Jose Mourinho is supposedly miffed that he didn't win manager of the month at all this season. Does this mean he won't win manager of the year? And should he?
1: Well, it's picked by different people, so they're not necessarily correlated. But I don't think he will win it. And maybe maybe he shouldn't. If you just win it. If you just gave it to the manager who won the league, then what would be the point of the award? It's an award that is subjective and adds value for individual indi- individual achievements. So I'd like someone like Kuman or Gary Monk, I guess, should yeah. probably be recognised for their work.
2: I'm one of the people who votes for manager of the month. And I wish I could just go and just just, just sledgehammer the, the, the faces of people who are like, oh, how could he never have won the manager of the month? It is weird, though. It's not weird. It is weird. There's it nothing is weird. weird about it. Because you it reward individual performances by a team in the course of a month relative to their resources. They've been the best team, the most consistent team all year. Doesn't mean that they were the best or most impressive uh, team in but, any one month.
1: But uh, uh, what, is that out of the spec relevant to their resources? Is that
2: yes? That for the same reason, you might give it to Gary Monk. Who'd you rather, who would you rather have managing your team, Gary Monk or Jose Mourinho? Jose Mourinho. Exactly. So Jose is a better manager. But does it mean he's more of a suitable candidate for manager of the year or manager of the month? No.
1: No, but I think it's weird that he hasn't won it for nine years.
2: I think you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> Middlesbrough and Norwich will contest the playoffs, which means we could have three teams from the Northeast in the Premier League next year. Woo-hoo! You reckon... No doubt, that excites you, George. For one season. <laughs> For one season, yeah. And then they all go down. No. Uh,
0: <laughs> how do you see it going? Uh, the playoff final. Uh, I think it'll be very tight. Third and fourth in the in the division. Norwich obviously had the momentum behind them. I thought Middlesbrough. There was the risk that they might tail off, but I was at the Riverside Stadium on on Friday night, and they were very, very, very impressive. There's definite belief there. There's momentum there. I think it'll be close, but I do fancy them to sneak it now.
2: Steven Gerrard played his final game at Anfield, um, although Crystal Palace and the awful, evil Alan Pardew um, rather spoiled it uh, by winning 3-1. Julian, in the Pantheon of English players, as seen from across La Manche. Across. Where La Manche. does he rank? Across La Manche,
3: he ranks. He ranks right there at the top. I think with you know with with, with the best. I, I was definitely privileged. Who's ahead of him? In like the last. Uh, in the Premier League. In era. the Premier League era.
2: As seen from France. As Speak seen for from all France. Frenchmen. Um even the thirty million we hate football and have don't understand it. Yeah,
3: for me he's is the best English players of the of the Premier League era. You know, better than Alan Shearer, better than Come on. Yeah, sorry. He's he's just had something, you know, something special that is, is just so rare. I think Shearer is a great striker, for example, but there there were a lot of great strikers before there would be a lot of great strikers. Strikers is but, but players like Gerald, I think it's, it's, a really, it's a rarity and we probably won't see another one like him for another few decades I think and and it's just I was privileged to see him play a lot of people away in this country which was great and now I hope that the Americans will realise that they're privileged as well to see an ageing one but still the real one.
1: Gab, one for you. What the hell happened between River and Boca last week and what are the repercussions?
2: Well, River and Boca, of course, as you know, Matt, is the uh, super classico one of the most intense rivalries in the world. And on top of playing each other in the league, they were playing each other in Copa Libertadores, which is uh, South American equivalent of the Champions League. It happened at the start of the second half. Um, This was at La Bombonera Boca's uh, stadium, River Plate. They have sort of this inflatable tunnel that they kind of let the players walk onto the pitch from some guy thought it would be hilarious to go and um, basically cut a hole in the back of the inflatable tunnel, stick a canister of um, CS spray, pepper spray, mace effectively in there and um, spray the, the river plate players who obviously two of them, I think had to be hospitalized and whatever else. Now, it just strikes me that I can't remember somebody attacking players in a premeditated way like this at a football match. I mean, you do this on the street and you go straight to prison um we've seen players sadly being attacked not that often but it's spontaneous it's because something happened i mean this is just one of the most disgusting cowardly things i can think of um not as bad as spitting of course because that's the absolute worst thing you can do but um this is close second and so as a result um boca are uh, have been knocked out of or, or they've been suspended from the copa libertadores uh for the next year um, they, and when they return, they won't be able to play home games, apparently, for another season. Um, but I, I, to me, it's it's a criminal act and uh, one of the worst I've seen. That's all we've got time for this week. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes and Player FM for Android, please do so. Many, many thanks to my guests today, Julian Lawrence, Matthews, Hughes, and again, George Culkin. It's been an absolute privilege to have you, and it's been fantastic. Also, because your presence means that Rory's not here. Check out thetimes.co.uk on your digital device. Members will get uh, exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of their subscription. If you're not a member yet, you can take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search Timesport online. Uh, Same place, same time next week. Bye-bye.
1: Your subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept
0: notification, and you're away.